fire is the spark of life, consciousness and action. Our choices stabilise these waves of possibility and create a catalyst for change. We can harness the power of our will and fire up where we want to put our yes. We can set clear intentions that will initiate change in our lives and in the world. Fire is the spark of inspiration and the spark of the imagination, both of which come from within us. Fire is the interior that transforms what is on the outside of us into outer action and manifestation. People don't have enough fire in their life. Hello and welcome. The next episode, which no surprise, is about fire. (laughs) In this episode, me and Jodie talk about what we've been up to, the outcome of our ghost night, talking to spirit, talk about fire and how we work with it around children in our witchy lives. Also, there was a little bit on tarot. We introduced tennis table tips all around the fire. And then, of course, we end with shout outs, credits, and then there's a special bonus Easter egg right at the very end. So thank you for joining us again. Sit back, relax, enjoy, pour yourself a brew, cup of tea or a nice pot of mead, whichever you prefer. And enjoy the next hour from us, the Bell Witches, Jodie and Swales. All right, here we are. This one has taken a bit of a while to pin down <laughs> between us, but we've made it. May the 4th, Star Wars Day, may the 4th be with you, which I quite love. So how's Jodie? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, it's been a really chaotic couple of weeks, just really, really busy. I have lots of events in the pipelines, things like the Tarot Social, which is tonight. I run like a free Tarot Social in Leeds. If anyone's interested, it is leads tarot social on facebook or you can message me on instagram mother.serpentine to find out more about that if you'd like to come along yeah yeah but other than that it's just been um a really really lovely couple of weeks for me in the most chaotic and busy way possible because we've had a lot on all the passion projects that i kind of started off have been dropping into place and it's really nice because I've been up in my head for a few months you know when you work intuitively I think you can end up constantly in yeah in a really really nice dreamlike headspace and I've got my dog so we're focusing on dog training and loads and loads of walks in the woods and um, we've started our Dungeons and Dragons campaign and all of a sudden my life isn't just witchcrafting kids which for a long time it, it has been yeah, my life feels has, very yeah. full all of a sudden um That's, it's nice but it makes me laugh because Jodie's really good at ideas and she'll go oh should we do this and I'll go add it to the list <laughs> yeah yeah add I am an ideas list. person <laughs> yeah so all my all my ideas have kind of culminated over the past few weeks things like grave encounters we had our first oh um, yeah got, it was yeah, yeah. It's not at all. It's only, is it like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a big learning curve, that one. It? We, we learned a lot that night. Yeah. It's been nice for me to ground myself a little bit because I feel like my life was reading and studying witchcraft and doing spells and making incenses and doing tarot all the time and learning other me- methods of divination and then like learning all about it for myself. Other than that, it was almost like... It was like that was my entire life where now my life feels very busy and more varied 
for now. <laughs> for now. I, for lo- now. I love this ty- time of year. I think things move fast in April and May. Um, I feel like loads has happened to me since our last recording, which is a tiny bit delayed. Um, so we did the Grave Encounters and then I, I've been writing loads of poetry um, and I feel like my poetry's taken off. So I entered this amazing competition, which is worldwide, called Ibaki or Ibachi. And I got shortlisted for this poem out of 15... That is just incredible and you really <laughs> deserve it. <laughs> yeah, 15,000 entries from around the world. And I think uh, sort of 50 to 100 people get to this final list. And I just cannot believe, <laughs> believe I've made it. Yeah, so. you've, you've you've done incredibly. Um, it's I th- I think as well, like um, being a being a dyslexic poet is something to to really really applaud. I mean, your poetry is amazing, but then you know to think that that actually you're doing such amazing poetry and you're dyslexic, it's really really groundbreaking. I get everything proofread because sometimes I just don't see the spelling mistakes. But if anybody wants to have a nosy at my poetry, it's on Instagram. Yes poetry for you but you have a nose and we'll pop that in a link in our yes bio for this episode as well so that people know where to find you because the poetry is well worth reading and i mean we should do an entire episode on poetry one day but poetry is an amazing tool for witches to use as an act of devotion as a way of processing a way of crafting spells um but more than anything, it's it's really, really therapeutic. And Swales's poetry particularly is definitely very autobiographical, isn't it? It's like yeah, really yeah. personal. And I find I've been writing poetry without realising throughout all my witchcraft, because a lot a lot of my spells are definitely poems. And I just thought that was just a spell. But yeah, looking back now it's obvious. But I just love it. It is it is magic in its own way and it makes my mental health so much more well when I write. At the end of the episode, why don't you recite one of your poems? Oh, you we know, do, after, yeah. after we've said our goodbyes and everything, little little free poetry recital. Stick around for a little uh, behind the scene poet reading. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I went to Beltane in Thornbehenge last weekend to celebrate the, the Sabbath. I camped, well, I didn't camp. I slept in my car one night as we said last episode, because my kids, well, my oldest went to her first brownies and she loved it. So yay for that. But there was lots of fire there being a fire festival. Ironically, Jodie didn't make it, even though in the last episode she was like, can't change your mind, have you? <laughs> Do you want to tell people what Beltane is and what Thornborough is and, and what it looks like when you go there? Well, I don't know much about the history of that shore department, but it's a hen's it's like not about a department. It's it not is. My department. I, I don't know. <laughs> much other than it's very spiritual and it's ancient isn't it? do you mean the actual henge or the festival the the actual henge is okay i'll cover that i'll tell people what thornborough is you tell people what beltane is and then we can both talk a bit about how beltane is celebrated at thornborough i'm sorry my dog is scratching in the background (laughs) i can't hear it oh can you not (laughs) well maybe have you as well um so Thornborough Henge is an incredible Neolithic site and it's actually um, in Britain um, many, many years ago, people lived in tribes. There were a few different tribes, but the tribe that lived at Thornborough Henge were called the tribe of the Brigantes. They worshipped the goddess Brigantia and Thornborough Henge has three 
henges, um, a northern one, a central one, and then I don't even know what the other one is. Is it a southern one? Is it an eastern one? But from an aerial view, it's actually a map of Orion's belt. And it's, I think it's um, around 3,000 years old. It's one of the oldest henges in Britain and it is Neolithic. And the central henge um, was used as a marketplace and a place of worship for their patron goddess, Brigantia. And this is essentially, you know, the Yorkshire tribe. I think that's absolutely boss. So cool. Yeah, and it opens up twice a year, once at Beltane and once at Mayburn, so that people can celebrate celebrate there, celebrate the pagan festivals. And we all gather in and around the Central Henge, and it's just incredible. Fun fact, I read a book once called Before the Pyramids, and... In that book, which was really, really well referenced at the back of it and had like loads and loads of resources, it said that the pyramids at Giza were actually mapped from the henges at Thornborough. So they said that an architect priest actually walked to Thornborough because obviously the land was a lot closer together all those years ago. And yeah, they basically took a pilgrimage to Yorkshire, to Ripon, to Thornborough Henge took the measurements, mapped it out, and then went back over to Egypt and built the pyramids mathematically to the same proportions. And it's map of Orion. Mind-blowing that, isn't it? Gosh, it's amazing. I hope it's true. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I hope it's true. I mean, it does feel very historic when I go. The Beltane one is sort of always around the end of April, beginning of May. Uh, and it's a fire festival celebrating the beginning of summer season. Is it the goddess and the god have met, met and they're getting married at Belting? I think they are, aren't they? Um, I mean, there's, there's an entire story about it. I don't really prescribe to the goddess and god getting married sort of view of Wicca. That's... I quite like it, you see. I quite like it. Yeah, I like it as like like in like a fairy tale kind of way or like as, as an analogy but it's not. It's nothing to do with why why I sell it. For me, it's just the the heights and the changes of the seasons. And I guess the reason is that that yeah, that Beltane it's it's where we begin to feel the, the turn of the sun. Yeah, we begin <laughs> yeah. to feel summer coming. There's flowers in my garden. Yeah, the sun's getting stronger and things are coming alive. And it's dead sexy. I love how sexy it is, and people starting to feel all the pagans. Oh, most of them are either they fire are, or sex. True. Yeah, pagans love partying, fire, and sex. I drank lots <laughs> of mead, and there were a, a smaller fire than usual, just because it's under new management. So they're asking not to have fires on the floor, which is all fair enough. I preserve the henge as well, because the henge, it's, yeah. it's changed a lot, even in the time that I've been going. So when you think of a henge, I think a lot of you will imagine standing stones. Thornborough henge isn't like that. It's um, essentially almost like a bull-shaped mound. It's almost like horseshoe shaped. So when you look at it from above, it's almost like a big hill, but that goes round in a circle so when you're studying it it looks like you're studying a bowl um, yeah, and when you're yeah. outside it, it looks like it looks like a circle it's worth it's worth just taking a look on google to get an idea of what i mean because I'd, I'd never seen anything like it myself so i don't know if you guys will be able to imagine it um it is a cool unusual place but it's rabbits always- have burrowed in there and it's flattened out a lot and yeah 
and people walking got, on it and dogs going yeah. on it and sheep climbing on it. It's yeah. I mean, it was very it was very well attended this year because some people camp for the whole weekend and some people just come for an odd day. And the stalls were really really good this time. I I could have spent all my money. I got a sweet little. A ceramic bottle stopper, you know, with a little witchy hat on. <laughs> I'm going to shout mm-hmm. them out from School Duggery Ceramics, and she, she's based in York. Oh, I know School Duggery Ceramics she's... from the market oh, scene. Yeah, I lo- I love her stuff. I love it. Like her schools with all the roses and that. It's beautiful. And I also got myself this beautiful crocheted, I, I get like a shawl sort of body warmer jacket thing. With um, the tree of life on the back from the craft. Oh, wow. The craft craven, it's called. And I bought mead, as you always do. And I drank a bottle of mead and I felt <laughs> bad the day after, as I always do. <laughs> <laughs> Beltane um, at Thornborough is also, um, it's really theatrical. So, like, for those of you that, that want to go maybe with kids, you can't go overdressed you will go and you know there are people doing you know the larping that me and swales have mentioned before where people they like to get their garb on they like to dress in all their tat they'll be in like wizard's hats and mushroom hats and cloaks there's there's the guys who run whitby krampus run go there so they go dressed as krampus so you literally just walking around you see krampus and the, the green man who's um, an amazing ceramicist wakes everyone up by piping and it's almost like a parade yeah <laughs> it, it, yeah the ritual on the sunday is fabulous because everybody turns up suited and booted wearing amazing costumes and we had jack frost there this time the winter people dressed up as winter you know to banish them when we lit the bell oh fires. yeah so we're telling them to go in out is so good Kids, yeah, kids love it. I mean, there's only one rule, and that is don't stand on the henge. And if anybody stands on the henge, then they'll shout at you. Don't Everyone just like, get off the henge. Yeah, it is. is that's the, that is the because rule. it's flattening out and it's flattened yeah. out in the years that I've I've been going. I first went in 2010 and it, it doesn't look the same. I mean, like like other henges, you know, like ones with standing stones, the stones can be like re-put up. I imagine it's a lot harder to restore these mounds, especially yeah. when there's so much wildlife living in them and it's like there'd be a conflict between rest- restoring the henges and the damage that that might do to the wildlife that are there. So I think conserving it is just best all round. Yeah, um, no, it's important and it's important to conserve it. Before we begin with our topic as well, We'd like yes. to update you guys on Grave Encounters because we've been going on about it for episode after episode now, how excited we've been for our first ghost night that we did. It was very well attended. We had 24 people, did we, buy a ticket? Yeah. And it was a very... And then three that. three staff and, and a volunteer who, who just sat at the table drinking tequila, I think. Looking absolutely glamorous. Um, and it was a good range of people from sort of experts who used to run their own groups all the way down to people who were like, I don't know why I'm here. I thought it was a games night or something. Cluedo. <laughs> so we had three groups and we decided to sort of 
each run a group and then rotate. So everybody got to go at everything. And I was on the spirit board or Ouija board. And you, what were you doing? The, the voice box, the ghost box? So I had um, an SLS camera, which is essentially it maps out stick figures. So you can see if you held it at a person or something that looks human-like shape, you know, maybe like a, like a chair that's, or whatever, then it shows a stick figure. But it also, if it shows them sort of in blank space you kind of think why is that there i had an emf transmitter pendulums and an app which picks up on frequencies and gives you words of things that the spirits are trying to say which does give a lot of false positives but also gives like some amazingly accurate details as well yeah and then steve had the spirit box and took people down in the cellar to meet the the cellar man who who gave us details of his sordid affair and <laughs> all sorts he, he was just chatting away was this man yeah i hope people weren't scared i mean i didn't feel scared at all i was pleasantly being there um, and we got mixed outcomes from the board. I mean, I know I need more practice myself in asking the right questions, setting some more boundaries and some rules before we set up. And I was a little bit miffed that I didn't actually get to do any ghost hunting myself because people wanted like an extra go on the board at the end. And by one o'clock, we were all kind of a bit frazzled, weren't we? Yeah. So I think, but I think also all sorts had started coming through because the activity there is is high, and we knew that it would be because it's you know it's a, it's a three hundred year old building that it was made into stone. It was a wooden building before that. I mean, you got good stuff, didn't you? Where I don't feel like well, I your got... board actually corresponded with some of the stuff that we got. It was just no, that obviously yeah. you didn't know that because you were kind of on your own, I guess. But we all no. we all were. We didn't know what the other people were were getting. So yeah, I think. We'd definitely do it again, wouldn't we? Yes. But I think so we've had a few offers, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. we've had a few offers. We've had two two separate offers um, from two separate bars. I'm following those up at the moment. But oh, watch this yeah. space. Yeah, I had some real wow moments that night, like real wow moments. So we'd all gone downstairs. So there's like an upstairs, there's a bar, and there's an upstairs, and then there's a downstairs, and the bar kind of slopes down so that the staff can access both sides and we'd been told that people have seen stuff downstairs so we were all headed downstairs and we were using the pendulum and dowsing rods and asking questions and words were coming through on the app one of the girls in our group was just sort of exploring and playing with the sls camera she says oh i found someone up there i found someone i found someone and the landlord says oh yeah that'll be lionel he used to always hang out up there we were obsessed um and he passed away i wouldn't be surprised if he answered um he used to sit in that chair and joe says no no it was that chair there and she showed him the recording and there's a stick figure writhing in this chair literally writhing the landlord literally turned white and he was like that's the chair that dougie died in doug had a heart attack and died oh. in that chair not even long ago like <laughs> not, not not even long ago the words that had come up on our app were doug drunk man panic so we're like it says his fucking name so they all stayed downstairs to try and speak with Doug and I went upstairs because I thought no he's going to be in that chair so I'll go up and I'll do some reiki on the area and just try sending his spirit some healing 
I am like blasting this area with Reiki and getting all sorts of sensations. So I know that he's there because I can feel him. And all of a sudden, I feel everyone kind of crowded around me and they've all got their equipment pointed at me. In my right hand, I felt like my hand had peed itself. It went really, really warm. At that moment, so I've literally got my hands facing this chair. I'm not touching the chair, they're just facing the chair and my hand. It's all this heat. And when it went away, Joe says to me, because she had the camera on me, she says, he touched you. He touched you, it's on the camera. And I went, I went, he touched my right hand, didn't I? And she went, yeah, yeah, I was like, I could feel it. And she showed me the recording playback. And I must, I must get it because it's on, it's on Steve's equipment. So I'm hoping that he's not deleted it. What you see is this guy writhing. And then, you know, when I'm there, he's just kind of sat and he reaches out his hand and touches my hand. What? Now, the reason they came upstairs was because the app sent them it said you know with the words it said upstairs now and then when they were on the stairs it said almost there and after the feeling had gone away you know after he touched me it said result success oh so my I was God. like oh my I felt a ghost and That's it just felt amazing. like it felt like if any of you have toddlers and you know you know like sometimes like you kind of sat holding them and the nappy starts leaking and you're just like this warm <laughs> wet uh, <laughs> it was that it was that but like just with thin air <laughs> yeah yeah Jodie yeah, you're feeling up ghosts see ya I know feeling up the ghosts terrible right. anyway on with the show here comes a spiel over the next four episodes we'd like to talk a little bit about the elements within the craft now this is an absolutely ginormous topic so it is one that that we we can't really begin to do justice here because you know it's it's just such an astronomically big topic but we'd like to talk about them because the elements are absolutely integral to the craft from spellcraft to ceremony to the cycles of the seasons calling the quarters protection work you know tarot everything has these four sometimes more sometimes people tweak them and add more but everywhere everywhere has these four elements earth air water and fire and they really are um they just permeate all areas of the craft astrology Kabbalah it all ties in so I guess it's something that we kind of need to talk about a little bit and also in terms of like the practicalities rather than telling you I guess um, all the traits of each of the elements and all the correspondences that link in with them we'd like to talk about them in a really really practical sense and about working with each of them in day-to-day life and the first one the one that we that we'd like to start with is the element of fire that's it yeah (laughs) I think so I think so yeah so (laughs) do you want to say a bit about fire and what it is (laughs) oh I love fire fire what is fire fire is definitely an historic element that brings people together community wise keeps you warm and it's definitely an action element it's destructive i like it because it's got like two sides to it it can be just destructive or it can 
be creative so it's it's good in terms of it's quite sort of like a mirror type element yeah because it can it can burn your home down but it can also warm your home you know our lives have been so much longer haven't they since since heating our homes became a thing yeah it used to be absolutely worshipped because it was thought to be from the sky and the sun which is is correct isn't it so it's kind of like a godlike element People used to use it for warmth and for cooking and for light, get people's attention as a weapon when they go to war, I guess, and set stuff on fire, wouldn't they? So it's very versatile. But it's also also one of the um, most primal of the elements. And I think all the elements really can be destructive. I mean, we don't see the destruction in the UK that, that the earth causes, you know, during earthquakes and landslides yeah. or, um, you know, the wind during wind storms. But I think fire is one that it's the element that we don't encounter in day to day life. And it's also it's it's one of those where there's no way of kind of absorbing it into your life without feeling a tiny bit of risk you know you can go outside you can feel the air on your face you can drink a glass of water you can put your feet in the grass these are all pretty safe activities but the minute you even strike a match or light a candle you're like oh, i'm playing with fire now yeah <laughs> it's got a yeah. rebel edge you have to make a decision to incorporate fire into your life don't you whereas everything it's else much more is... conscious isn't it yeah it's just there um, and fire's been replaced in the, you know, in these later centuries with light bulbs, electric and gas on hobs have even gone. And now we've got induction. So that little bit of flame we had has also yeah. disappeared. But I, I mean, I use candles in all my magic because it acts as initiator, isn't it, to set stuff in motion. For me, it's, um, and I mean, like most of the, the best results that I have are when I'm doing sort of trance-based magic and meditations and for me fire is kind of trance inducing isn't it it is fair. yeah I, I think for anybody that we're saying on saturday night when i was with people at the belting event we all sat around a fire and we were all just staring at it and people started saying why why does fire do this why are we all transfixed on a flame it's such an interesting conversation to have it, it does it's very good at bringing people to together for the warmth element especially when you're camping i use it to to scry sort of as a divination tool as well um, it works better in a fire pit the flames seem to be more alive whereas in a candle you've just got a one tiny flame but you do what you can do i mean especially with kids around but we thought it'd be interesting to mention kids and fire because i don't think that's really well covered, yeah is it? In... it is a huge connector with kids I had the honour of when I worked at the Steiner for a while being a firekeeper and, you know, trying to keep 30 kids aged three to seven safe. firekeeper? I love it. I just love the time. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Trying to keep 30-odd kids safe around a fire is definitely an intimidating task. Uh, So I would suggest that you begin with one. I do have a few pointers. One is fire is safer than people make out for kids. Most kids aren't going to actually stick the hand in 
a fire. We have an instinct that stops us from doing that. If they did do that, chances are they're not going to hold it there. So obviously you are going to want to make sure that you have access to like cool, clean water in case anybody does get burned. But at the same time, I personally have never seen a kid stick their hand in a fire um, or on a candle. The risk with fire that, that you need to teach from a young age is that it's not just the fire, it's not just the flame that is hot. Whether you have a fire that's made up contained in stones in the ground or whether you have a fire pit or even like a barbecue or a fire bowl, the actual metal is going to get hot or the stones are going to get hot and they are going to stay hot long after the fire has gone out. So you need to make sure that there is a strong verbal boundary and that they don't touch the fire bowl at any time whether there's been a fire or not. I think they need to be conditioned that that may be hot. But allow them near it. Allow them to use it. There are, there are loads and loads of amazing things that you can do with fires with children. And we will speak about those a little bit during our pro tips at the end of the episode. But I would say allow your kids near fire. Um, and that's, you know, whether it's candles in the home or whether it is a fire in your garden. I don't have a dining table at the moment because I live in an apartment lifestyle. But when I did have a dining table, we used to light a candle in a lantern at the beginning of every meal. And this helped get my child used to candles. And I always trusted her with them. And I would say, again, make sure that that they know that candles are safe enough, but it's about making sure that that they are blown out, that they're supervised for a while once they've blown out so that they don't relight and that they're not running around near candles. Make sure that they know about, you know, how to keep fabrics away from candles and respect the fire, respect yeah. the flame. Cause say they're not gonna get the arm and stick it in a fire. They're just it's that's not likely. Um extinguishers are quite cheap online as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, we've, we've we have got a fire a extinguisher. Yeah, no, we do. We've well. only got one. I've never needed to use that. Same. Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch wood. Yeah, yeah. Never leave a candle unattended. And I think, <laughs> in terms of fire, I would say it's a great teacher for kids, no matter how old. I would say that yeah, they learn to respect the elements. They learn the destructive capabilities of elements. They learn about safety and self-preservation. You know not getting burned is, is is a huge one isn't it but they can learn what to feed a fire learn boundaries and how to allow it to be transfixed and they can learn things like cooking and toasting marshmallows and so the power fun. of connecting around a fire and doing campfire songs that social aspect is I think incredible and I would say fire does while it's such an active element for a lot of people it does induce a sense of stillness that a lot of children need yeah Florence my eldest when she did a brownie camp this weekend they actually made tiny little fires and toasted marshmallows on them yeah pictures it's like oh that's amazing I mean she's been so witty on this (laughs) brownie camp yeah I was thinking as well in terms of fire if you think about it, on a birthday cake, that's a little spell, isn't it? A fire yeah. spell. So that's yeah. the earliest introduction children have to fire is a single candle on a birthday cake. Yeah. And that act itself is magic because it's like mm-hmm. to blow a birthday candle out is a magic spell. Um, I think a lot of the time people don't have enough fire in their lives. 
um, so true. Yeah, that's think, like the quote of the day. That is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's another one is that that people can, if if you'd like to have more fire in your life there are lots and lots of methods for doing that so you're going to want to stick around and listen to our top tips toward the end of the episode to find out some ways of bringing fire into your life and safe spaces that you might have fire and all that jazz yeah and you hear, i mean you hear ch- children go through a phase of starting fires sort of pre-adolescent teenage pre-teenage years is that because they've never really had an understanding and a respect brought in it's a bit like when I was a kid I was really interested in drinking alcohol because my mother didn't drink so if I'd have been brought up with it being normalized I probably wouldn't have been so bothered so I think that's the case with fire to make it so it's daily you know they won't go through that set your fire to everything and like I say and it's a bit of a horror story is this but my my younger brother um when he was 12 he was he, he was a dancer an incredible dancer and he actually got offered to join the royal ballet but he didn't want to go board over there because he was too young really and he had a friend who was also a dancer who was a bit of a chav bit rough and ready this this young boy actually was making flamethrowers. So he was only twelve, and he was out with some fifteen year olds, and they were making flamethrowers. You know, can of deodorant, light. Oh <sighs> yes, yeah. And he actually caught completely on fire, and all his clothes caught, and oh all the God. other lads ran off looking for this boy. There were actually two police passing, and they managed to get him in the grass and and roll him. I am actually just gonna very quickly look in this amazing book that I've. So I've what have you got there? Tell heard. everybody what you're looking in. This book is called Natural Born Shamans, and it's a spiritual toolkit for life by Imelda Almquist. She's incredible, is Imelda. This book is essentially about encouraging children and young people to take part in their spiritual journey, and it, it gives spirit-led work from like egg cleanses to challenges that people face in raising children ancestral imprints all these amazing things but i was thinking it may have something about fire in it it might it sounds like it goes very well with our podcast (laughs) it absolutely does it absolutely does it teaches children different shamanic journeys um and gives them it's essentially like a spiritual toolkit it even has a chapter on mudlarking which i think is amazing mudlarking have you never heard of it no oh this is it's essentially like um almost like treasure hunting on riverbanks so a lot of people do it at the thames and people find like old old artifacts on the riverbanks oh my god we should do it (laughs) (laughs) add it to the list yeah (laughs) I can't find anything specifically about fire at the moment, but I'll have to look through a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Should we talk about, before that, um, so fire's a great connector outdoors and it's a connector with your children, but also a good connector in the home because people have like a hearth or fireplace a lot of the time, don't they? You have a fireplace, I don't. I've always wanted one. I don't have a fireplace. How do you not? I've, well, I've got a fireplace, but it's got a tiki in it. It's not a fire. <laughs> it's uh, just decoration. We've got essential heating. But when I go to one of my friends who lives in a massive house in the middle of the countryside, and he's got a log fire, and I often take over feeding it when I'm there because I just love putting big, fat logs 
in this fire and watching them burn and feeling the heat. And these two little yeah. fans above it kind of like blow it out. <laughs> it's really nice. Wow. But just that, that fire on its own in the room make the, makes the room so comfortable and cosy. And something about that kind of heat that's made by fire that's just so loving and comfortable. It's a rosy glow, isn't it? It is really snuggly. Yeah. And I get nice and relaxed when I'm there. And a lot of it is beer. But most of it as well is the fire. <laughs> yeah, I just think fire as a connector is definitely lovely. I mean, like campfire songs, campfire stories. And everyone feels like they've got a job when there's a fire going as well. Like, you know, you just said you take on the role of kind of feeding the fire. And I have a lot of fires in my garden in summer. And I think we'll we'll collect wood together. Or we'll, when we go on walks, we'll come home with like bags of sticks, you know, from the ground. And yeah, take turns kind of feeding the fire or chopping and snapping the wood and making sure that it keeps going and, and toasting things. And I think, I think everyone feels like they've got a role in tending that where water can't be tended Really, I mean, like, yeah, you can do like river cleanup and things like that, but but really, you don't need to tend water to make sure that it stays water. You don't need to tend the wind to make sure that it stays the wind. Fire can be controlled and obtained in something, can't it? Whereas water's really hard to to contain. Like when there's a flood, how do you stop a flood? You can't. Yeah. Really. But if when there's a fire, you can put water on it. And extinguish it as yeah. human beings we've got more control over this element if we respect it and use it correctly also i always think of the sound of a fire you know that gorgeous cracking and snapping and burning yeah, little pops yeah yeah even the sound of a fire as well as the visual aspect is so powerful in fact just talking about it now is like oh can i have a fire but there's no chance <laughs> i forget just how powerful the element is like we say because we don't have it in our daily life around us. We've got to make an effort to go out and make one, but it is worth doing that. And it is just so interlinked with all areas of magic, including, which is my sort of topic for today, the tarot. So fire is the element that rules over the suit of wands. It also rules over other cards in the tarot, particularly judgment which I find really, really interesting because when you think of judgment as in like last judgment, it's like fire really does destroy and purge everything. Water cleanses, doesn't it? But fire purges and it is the symbol of power, particularly phallic and masculine power. And it's very, very pure and volatile and active and energetic and all your wands in the tarot represent this. They represent spontaneity, inner fire, urge, drive. It really is that fire in your belly, that need to do something. Even if that thing is irrational, all your wands are around that. In fact, the only rational fire card, I would say, is judgment. Um, but that's a card of finality as well. So yeah, it's that, it's that fire in the belly, passion and sex and libido. And it's the fastest of the suits. And interestingly, there is debate about whether fire or air should be attributed to the wand. I'm definitely a fire person, as are most, most witches of good standing that I know. Um, people who say that 
ones at air tend to think, oh, well, one swish through air. But then I kind of think, well, you can swish anything through the air, can't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they say, well, swords are forged by fire, but wood is destroyed by fire. Your cup, pentacle and sword are all forged by fire. But the wood is where fire seemed to come from. And when you think back to the times before we understood fire, I mean, like even alchemists, they used to think that fire was an integral part of the wood. Like um, they didn't realise it was like a chemical reaction caused by friction. So they thought that the wood contained this thing called phlogiston with a pH. (laughs) And that if you rub two sticks together for long enough and it didn't cause a fire, then you didn't have enough phlogiston. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm definitely a fire is the one's person and that fire within, that passion, that drive, that need to do something, that need to get shit done. And I think of um, a lot of the cards in, they, they can be quite aggressive. So they can be passionate, but also aggressive, very motivated, but they're also like the fuck it cards in in the tarot especially (laughs) unite unite is kind of like i'm doing what i want fuck it feels right to me don't care if it's reasonable i'm doing it yeah gotta act doing it now and a bit bigger than the actual cards themselves is you know the tarot really does slot in with kabbalah which i talk about a little bit on here um, you may have heard me going on about it before essentially it's like a map for the universe and deity and how everything works and Kabbalah is split into four different worlds so like four different trees almost it's probably more um, oh my god it is so deep it is massive yeah yeah <laughs> and the first of the worlds is called Atsiluth and this is really the primal spark it's like your big bang in the tarot it is this incredible burst into flame of energy from which everything else seems to kind of trickle your ones are the the first suit in the tarot because of this and yeah it's like everything stems from that instant that urge that impulse that that burst for that action gets you an element yeah yeah just create a universe and then following on from that all these other amazing aspects of the universe table tennis tips is that what you called it yeah maybe we should keep that i quite like it Mm -hmm. so our tips around incorporating fight into your daily life or into your weekly life or into whenever you can life (laughs) so you do one i'll do one and we'll just ping pong them around (laughs) Okay, cool. So when I have a fire, I tend to save up all my herbs from previous spells in a big cast cauldron. And that includes like dust from incense and stuff from bags that I feel have finished and jars. And I get a massive lot of it. And then eventually when I get the fire, I pour it all on as kind of like a thank you for this magic and here here is it back but it it smells really good you know like as it burns because you've got all these dried herbs that you can't really reuse I mean you could put them on your garden or some people just bin them don't they because they use but I I do quite like the idea of them being fuel yeah so it's more intentional isn't it yes okay so I'm gonna see your fuel for the fire and I'm gonna raise you indoor fires so you can use your hearth you can use candles to incorporate flames into your life and you can actually create beautiful spell candles you can engrave them you can engrave runes or sigils onto them 
what's a good tip as well is spell candles because they say you've got to let it sort of burn down. I read this recently. If you cut your candle in half, so it's a shorter version, it takes half the time to burn and then you don't have to sit around for an hour or however long it takes to burn, you can do it and then it's like, don't affect the magic whatsoever, but you've burnt your candle. How good is that? That's such a good tip. I do blow my candles out. I oh, actually right. pinch them out. Actually pinch them out. But I, I yeah. feel weird. I, I don't know why. I just feel weird about doing that. I feel like I've got to let the whole. I keep the stubs. Burn. Yeah, I also yeah. keep the stubs. Yeah. So I've got a drawer full of tiny little, <laughs> teeny weeny little used candles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One that you can do either on your own or with kids: flame scrying. It's really, really lovely to sit and allow yourself to drop into a trance-like state with either just a single candle or an actual, you know, a larger fire in your garden and to just sit and, and allow yourself to see different shapes unfolding in the flames or allowing your intuition and imagination to run free. Yeah, it's quite nice to do that and it's relaxing. I find it hard to not do it, if I'm honest, when I'm around flames to not gaze um I, I also do that on a sunday night when i do my um psychic development i use flame just to settle my mind and to stare at and ease into the circle um and i use a lot of bay leaves as well people probably know about this one but you can write on a bay leaf and throw it into a fire or burn it in a flame mm-hmm. they burn really quick don't they and the yeah. ash smells beautiful um yeah. Another lovely up. one to do with kids is to get a pine cone and write down your wish or your intentions on tiny little bits of paper, make them into scrolls, you know, like roll them up. So you're talking like yeah. literally like if you've ever seen a Rizzler, like that size, <laughs> um, roll it up so it's a tiny little scroll and then slot them into the pine cone and then you can burn your pine cones or you can hang them as decor, but they do make excellent fire fuel as well. Oh, that's nice. I like that one. Yeah. Cool. That was good. I like that. You've got more. Go on. One more, one more. What do I do around a fire? Cook popcorn over it is a really, really good one with kids. I've never done that. Yeah. So you can literally like, I just use a pan and with a lid on it and put some popcorn kernels in or like even like the butter kissed packets that you can get from the supermarket and pop it over the fire and the popcorn pops and the kids love it sure it's shove stuff in tinfoil and put it on the fire and then it's a good way of with kids as well teaching them those boundaries because you want your kids to get involved with this so you're asking them you're inviting them to get that little bit closer and interact with the fire but in a safe way where they can feel the heat you know even toasting a marshmallow, they've got this skewer. You get the longest skewers that you want or even a stick from outside and they can toast their marshmallow and they get this high value reward, <laughs> to use dog training terms, for maintaining a safe distance from the fire. You know, they don't want to have the stick in there so long that the stick catches or that, that the marshmallow burns very last one you can get these amazing fire bowls um if you don't have a fire pit um and you want like an outdoor fire or maybe you only you don't have a garden and you'd like something hyper portable this is really really nice um i don't even know what they're made of um they feel like a stone or ceramic um bowls which are literally like the size of a pan um but a little bit bigger and they are specifically made for fire i'll put a link in the bio for you guys but 
they're really really good for making fires for jumping over as well or small portable fires oh now i want a fire but i love afterwards you know when you've been around a fire you can smell it on your clothes i'm like yeah. sniffing my clothes for days after because i can smell the campfire so guys get out make a fire light a candle do some scrying do some playing get your kids involved and send us pictures as well that's your homework this time is a little bit of homework just send us some pictures of you with your fires and show us all the amazing things that you do and that trust that you have in your kids trust that they're not going to set themselves on fire because you are there supervising them they're going to be fine and also we still have to pet pictures from the last episode anybody if you can tag us in your pet portraits please subscribe to us and follow us and give us reviews and tell your friends about us because we we like waffling on and we want to waffle on at more people we want people to be able to incorporate their pagan practices into their daily life with kids for our shout out this week we're going to mention hex tarot who is a fellow Yorkshire tarot reader, astrologer and palmist who creates the amazing and beautiful magical folklore, Leno Mandek. Unfortunately, this business has had some bad luck in the form of doing a show and being a, a good success and then having a taking stolen from her, which is just really sad and not fair at all. And karma's going to be on its way, I'm sure. But in the meantime, you know, if you could find her on social medias, perhaps help her out and buy something from her, a service, show a fellow witch some love. That would be absolutely spiffing. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. The Bell Witch podcast has been written and produced by Jodie Jones and myself, Emma Swales, using Zencaster to distribute music by Jeff Harvey and credits to Glenny Kindred for the intro quote at the beginning that comes from the book Elements of Change. Get in touch with us if you'd like to ask us anything or suggest anything you'd like us to cover. We'd would really love to hear from you, see your pictures. And now here comes the very special poetry by myself. <laughs> Moon Circle. Fireside charm unites in us. Energy pours out from her this beautiful element. She fills us with passion. She welcomes with heat and light and it feels like love. Dancing flames enchant. My face burns but I cannot look away. Blazing, I fear I will miss a message from that orange lava burning so brightly for us. In the centre of the circle, she inhabits a steel bowl, a crater inferno. I wish I could be this powerful. We feed her wood and secrets written on pieces of paper, messages from our soul. She eats them up with ease and grace this passionate force she gives us thanks and then she sends them off up into the sky